B21 kids. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> definitely not the intro. No, I just want to thank you for joining me, man. And I think as we kick this off, let's uh, crack a cold one. So From three, two, one. There oh, we go. Cheers to you, sound man. Of, you're on the Young Henry's. Nice. Mm. Craft brewery in Newtown. Yeah, recent, recently just um, hit out with the Vans boys um, to the bloody Young Henry's brewery. Just they did a interview with them. It was great. The Rolling Stone one's good. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. And they've got a really cool process where they're using algae to help reduce their carbon emissions. They're reducing something. I saw it myself with their own eye, with my own eyes. It was awesome. It was Enviro. What is it? Boxes. Yeah. I was like, they're doing something for the environment. That's mad. Great. And- Could you explain? And I just started talking about it. And as I mentioned, I'm like, shit. I can't explain what this is. I'm not a scientist. Me neither. Stuff. It's funny. It's like, and it's good. Dude, it's it's <laughs> like all those tweets where it's like BP puts out a BP puts out a thing of like, what are you doing to reduce your carbon pr- footprint? And a person retweets back of like, I promise not to spill eighty billion gallons of oil in the Gulf of the Bahamas or something. It's like, <laughs> I love. I I'm, I'm a real stickler for um, corporate virtue signaling. Is one of those like little pet peeves of mine that like, you know, some people it's like if you say sneak peek and you spell it the wrong way, they're like, no, that's not how you spell peek. Like I couldn't give two shits. But when they put, it's just all the different things they do. Classic example, we're environmentally friendly. It's like, guys, just, can we just cut the bullshit? Can we just cut the crap and just stop pretending? It's like, it's like Nestle just going, we promise to make our water bottles 80% more recyclable, but we're still in the meantime going to buy water from a third world country because it's ours now and we're back. I saw a great meme today. It was the, um, and I'm butchering it, but it was along the lines of um, corporate culture going, oh yeah, human rights, things that are happening in America is terrible, terrible. It's terrible these things are happening. And then it's, what about the ones that are happening in China? Next subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 no. Let's not talk about <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can't hear you breaking up. It's yeah. like, oh, can you say Taiwan? No, I, I can't. What's I don't know you talking about? And Wayne, what a what a hard intro into <laughs> this podcast episode. Let's just go hard on everything straight from the get-go, eh? Oh, dude, I want to cancel myself in the first 30 seconds. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not there yet, but one of the commitments I've made. Personally, this is just like a personal eternal thing with this is it's, it's a straight through conversation. I don't edit out bits and pieces almost as, you know, for my own personal integrity. So I'm not like, you know, fudging the lines or, you know, taking out things that, you know, oh, I don't like that I said that. It's like, no, no, no put it out there. But and, also and it's, it's a and good it's a filter. skill. It's a skill to also build upon of like, we're just rolling with it, man. It's we got the money take. That's it. That's where we're rolling with it. <laughs> That's where the fun stories come from as well. <laughs> and it'll be good in hindsight in a few years when I look back and go, oof. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, thanks heaps for joining today, man. I really appreciate it. Well, as the world might have guessed with the looking back of what's going on, I don't have much else going on. So I'm super available. Cheers, dude. Thanks for having me.
So what is it? What week lockdown are you guys in? Up in I Sydney? think as to like if we count it by Mondays, I think we've just officially officially entered week eight. But hey, we're just rolling with the punches, cruising as we go. Yeah, doesn't exist. We're here. We're sorting ourselves out. We're having a fun time doing it. Yep. Yeah. So it's interesting. You posted just the other day a really well articulated short snippet of your life story of the last however many years you're able to break it down to three stages just like a movie just like three acts it was quite interesting yes and (laughs) what was that about but then also i'd love to hear you make a few throwaway comments in that video and i'll put a link in the description um about you know oh well that story's been told or whatever but hey we've got time i've got nowhere to be right now so talk me through it yeah, so funny thing, um, I work with a local Australian band called The Vans. Um, yeah. I'm very intertwined with them. They are my bread, butter, my blood. There we go. Shout out to them on the shirt. Good to see you wearing it, Brendan. Thank you. And so Jim, my best mate, calls me up and we're just talking like YouTube stuff. He wanted to find out if he premiered a video, what's going on with it. I had a film school application sitting in my unlisted videos just to see the quality upload a bit of a bit of housekeeping um and i wanted to just find out some information if i uploaded a video what information would that video have that video has been sitting there for a year um that was that was my uh, my my upload application for the australian film television radio school afters um and it was one part Sorry, I just burped. Hey, we're having a few beers. What's what's up? Um, see, we're not editing out anything. Um, that was that was one part of my uh, the my story part of the application process. Um, and so the requirement of it was to make it in three to three minutes thirty. That's what you got. Wow. And so I worked when I applied last year. Didn't get in anyway. Um, oh. When I applied, um, I had to condense my story into three minutes and the best way that i believe that i could apply for film school was take the old adage of a three-part three three story chapter three Mm. act part for my life and i thought i decided to consider what was significant um and that involved my time in the army me breaking my leg and my time on television um and that was it it just sort of went from there and there, there are a few jump cuts. There are a few audio issues and stuff like that. But it, it was, it was what I believed personally was condensed down to what made me me within three minutes and twenty three seconds. And how was that process of self reflection to be able to condense that down? Like, was that were they already, I guess, markers in your life that stood out, or did you have to do a little bit of? personal reflection on your journey over the last few years and and was it there surprises in there or was it an easy process not not particularly surprises it seemed like a relatively easy process because i tend to fudge my life with a lot of words and so i just i, I tend to talk too much Oh, I add words in here and then, you know, I might add a, because I'm trying to sound smart or reasonably anxiously impress the people. So I might add verbosingly in there for some 
stupid reason. Undulating. Yes. You put in that and it was impressive. I'm like, oof, good yeah. word. But it was the hardest part was to have it concise. Mm. But I was, I, I believe that I'm confident in my own journey, my own self, that I knew what I'd done, where I'd come from, where I wanted to go. And so, and, and who I was. So it wasn't particularly hard, but it was just in terms of housekeeping, keep it condensed, keep it concise. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to communicate? But yeah, the biggest, the biggest chapters were just army breaking a leg, doing some time on TV. What the hell am I doing now? Um, And all the, and all, and kind of the mixed emotions that come with that in, in terms of, in terms of, we, we, we go through gates in our lives. I, I believe I, 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 would, I would like to think this could apply to everyone, that we go through gates in our lives that we consider ourselves successful and complete. It's like, I've done this, and that would equate to our identity. Because I, I believe a lot of people sometimes negatively would associate their personality and identity with the job that they do. and so. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't yeah, agree more. I and probably the whole like premise of this podcast is delving into the very psyche of that. Mm. But it's it can't. It, I kind of had to deal with the question of like, what do you define as, as success? What do you define as a happy life? What do you define as completion? And from this, it's like, and it's 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 weird. It's like you go you go into the army and you're like, ah, I've completed that goal. I am successful or I have now I've, I've married this person that I knew from high school. I am successful or I bought my Toyota Land Cruiser. I am successful. Like I've got my troopy. I'm mm. complete. But mm. then it's like, once that slightly erodes away, what is left? Um, what's, where am I going then? And that's sort of why that's sort of the complexity of then applying for afters that came into that with the very premise of that video. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. What are you left with after the warranty wears off mm. on the thing that you work towards or the uh, probation period and the job's done and you're going, cool, this is it. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, it come, you could not, but like I was about to say butter that down, but you could boil that down to. Butter that down works. I like yeah, that butter, idea. I'm going to butter my down, butter my bread down. But like you could boil that down to like oh, I've just got heaps of toys as a kid for Christmas and now I'm happy, but then it's like. Well, I'm bored of those toys, so what now? Yeah, do you think we ever actually get past that mindset of constantly having new toys from when we're a kid? It's almost like we're conditioned to want new toys and want more toys oh, and better toys. And when we become adults, they just become Toyota Land Cruisers. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's the whole thing of the next iPhone. That is, I, I don't feel I need to even go into that, but it's like the next iPhone is the good thing. So. This will give me worth, but I feel that I've broken personally. I've always searched to break out of that. Like I know that a new surfboard isn't going to make me happy, but I know that my first surfboard that my friends bought me for my birthday is going to bring me utter joy because I'm going to go surfing with my friends. I'm going to go surfing out by myself. So how did you get to that point? How did you come to that realization? Because I know people that are double our age and combined that still haven't reached that revelation, that epiphany, um, again, using big words to sound smart, um, 
So what was the trigger for you to be able to come to that, that point of, 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 um, of, oh, what's the Realization that material things don't give me happiness, don't equate happiness. Of contentness. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know, but what I will give props to young Jules Mm. is that he kind of figured it out from a young age. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, it kind of come from an earlier mindset just to, I guess that's, I grew from the seed of let's be more, but it kind of grew from that mentality of like, I know material things aren't going to make me happy. I want to be something. I want to be more. Um, but I honestly, I really don't know how to answer that question. It was kind of, I, there was definitely when I was younger, but, oh, there's, and there's a caveat with it, but like when I was younger, there was definitely a period where it was like heaps of money will make me happy. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, that's kind of bullshit. Who am I? What am I? What am I doing? And then it was kind of like, I want to achieve. I want to go places I want to experience thing, and that's going to be my self-worth. Um, and is that what sort of led you down that, the army infantry? So correct me if I'm wrong. So at about 19 is when you oh, decided to join the younger. army. Way, way younger. younger. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So, so when did that idea pop into your head? So if, if, we, want to, if we want to go to the, the origins of the seeds that planted in my brain of joining the army, mm. do you want me to start from the start? Do it. Yeah, so pretty much I was heavily involved in the SRC at school. Like I was, I was like, SRC is also, and for anyone who's listening out of New South Wales, that's the Student Representative Council. So that's- Big dogs, big boys you know, on campus. It's, you know, you're not school captain, but you're like organising the school dance and whatever. But the, the, the SRC was kind of a very massive influence on me. This is such a nerdy flex. No, um, not at all. But the SRC was a huge influence on me, but it, it, it allowed me to sort of realise that I'm not particularly academically where I need to be for my capability and age. I'm, I'm not academically well fit. Mm. I'm not academically well achieved, but I, I, I have the ability to interact with people. And so then I did some mm. SRC camps outside of high school and that really sort of spurred upon this moment of like, let's like very, very young, innocent mindset of like, let's achieve, let's do this. Let's, you, were, you, were let's- drawn, you were drawn to leadership over academic achievement. You were drawn that to- is, That is 100% accurate. And leading people and, you know, the way I put it, making shit happen and getting shit done, pragmatism over- speculation, hypothesizing and pontificating about things in the yep. classroom. You're like, let's just get out there and get stuff done. 100%. That was, that was very much a, right. very much a heavy, strong influence and where mm. I personally drifted to as a young kid. Mm. Um, and it just was within my nature to be like, okay, I'm, I'm not that smart, but I'm street smart type bullshit. Yeah. I, like that, that type of stuff. But, and then it's sort of- Emotionally aware. Yes, I, I guess you could say that. Um, and then it sort of was like, holy shit, you know, everyone wants to be the smartest, best person ever. What am I, I'm, uni's on the horizon. What am I going to do? I'm like, 
well, I don't know what I want to do at uni. And if mm. I'm, I, I 100% know I'm not going to university if I don't know what I'm doing because I, have, I heard all these young kids and no, no negative against them, but oh, I'm just going to go to uni and maybe something will happen. And I was like, that's no. If, if I'm doing a, this big commitment, I need to know the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so sure enough, I, I, ended up, I ended up reading a book about um, Mark Fennell he was a an, an Australian SAS soldier, um, and and funny enough, there is a there is a small family connection to that. Um, he he was a he was a young bloke from Dapto in New South Wales. Uh, he was a mechanic, um, and he sort of fell into the, sort of the same trap. And where the family connection is is that my uncle actually worked and was an apprentice within the same garage as him at the same time, and it, that's a that I found that out after, but I found found out about his book uh, sorry i read his book called warrior training mm. and it was just sort of talking about the the process of sas selection and the 21 days of hell that the sas selection process push, pushes young soldiers through as a as a basic gate mm. to then be accepted within the unit of the, like the special air service regiment within australia and, that, and so selection itself, selection is a term that's thrown around, but it's just to educate any of the listeners, selection is 21 days of just the worst days of your life, um, pushing out everything that you've got, whether it's physical, physical tests, mental tests, everything, but that's for members within the ADF that are already serving for however long. What are some of the things they put you through? Oh, that's, it's, it's just pretty much being out bush for three days. It's a it's an exercise of being tough out bush, working hard, not sleeping, like PT sessions. And I, I could go into that further and further, but it was just pretty much putting every all the ego was very Buddhism, I would personally say. Mm. Very Buddhist, putting all the ego aside, putting everything you have on the plate of your personality and your character to physically exert yourself to see if you are appropriate um, physically and personality wise and mentally for Mm. the unit of SAS. And I was like, and I'm literally a a young 16 year old boy reading this book. And I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Mm. This is pretty gnarly. Attractive. And, and yeah. And like, there's, there's also the, 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 almost mythology and um propaganda of the attractivism mm. that is the army and, and and me as a young boy i'm like this kind of makes sense i'm pretty physically fit i'm pretty pretty know what i want to do i sorry know where i want to go and i want a definite outcome mm. the army makes sense mm. well fuck it why don't i join the army and it was i was pretty much almost 17 Yep. Yeah, I was, I was almost, by this time, I was almost 17. And that was just the, the nuts and guts where I decided that's where I'm, I'm, I'm going to join the army. This makes sense. I'm, I'm going to join army. I'm going to join the infantry. That is, that's, that will make, that makes sense for me. And then it was just a kick in gear of utter training and keenness and young naivety that was like, I'm just going to do everything that I can in my late puberty years to put all my energy into just becoming as fucking fit as possible. And that's sort of, that was the, 
that was the seed that was planted that then festered into me joining the army. And what was your friends and family's response to, you know, when you let them know this is what you want to do? Was everyone on board or were there a few naysayers? Were there a few people like, oh, yeah. I, I rarely remember if and all. I, I rarely came across negativity. Mm. Um, like I had, I had my, like my still to this day muso mates and surfy mates that were like, dude, that's awesome what you're doing. Just mm. don't come back all like chippy choppy, A grade down the line. Like we, see, like we see in the movies of the, the US movies. Mm. Um, they, they were just like, we really hope we don't lose your jewelsness. And, yep. and, and, and that, that is always, honestly, it's, it's a very, I, I believe that's a very honest, endearing point that my surrounding tribe said to me. It was a very honest opinion, but like. Well, it's not just only encouraging you, but it's, it's providing a really clear marker. Yeah. Of what they also see in you, like you are this person, you are this Jules. Don't and lose that. Don't lose individual, that. But yeah, go for it. Like, yeah, there was there was never perfect. there was never any there was never any negative bullshit. It was it was all like fuck yeah, man. You're one of the few people that I know exactly what you want to do. And I'm like, I know exactly what I want to do. That was it. So yeah, there, so, there, there was really no negative. Yeah, awesome, and. So you've read the book, you've trained, you've gotten in. How much did the and I mean that's a few years of anticipation. It's a few years of building up expectations. Yeah. So like what was the context, to give context to this question, I pretty much was accepted and enlisted on the enlistment date at the age of 18. So it's pretty much like one and a half years of like bang. So yeah, so it was like one and a half years until I enlisted. I'll let you continue with the question. Sorry. No, no, not at all. Well, two questions, I guess. One, at what point did reality hit? And two, what was the, was there any disparity between what you had anticipated and built up in your head and what reality was? This is the crazy thing, and this sort of will play into the story five years down the track, (laughs) but reality never really hit. In the sense that I kind of, I kind of, what my expectations were, were reality. I knew that the army's the army. You're going to have to be a tough bugger no matter what they throw at you. Who cares? That's what the training requires. And so being, being a young bloke, it was, the army was pretty much what I expected. It was kind of a bit softer than what I expected. How so? Um, because I just thought it would be a lot more, I guess, mentally demanding, physically demanding, and I guess masculinity uh, downgrading type thing. Um, yeah. I, 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 like, you know, I thought, I thought I was at risk of like dudes might bash me just right. Tuesday night because yep. if I don't perform well. But once upon joining the army in those first three months at, Kapuka initial training like it was to be honest i'm not trying to go like oh yeah i'm a fucking sick dude but i found comfort in the regimental life i found comfort in the discipline i found comfort in the the task orientated activity um i excelled in that i i felt comfortable in this environment it was it was 
the environment of Kapuga itself in that initial training, like it is, it is a shock to the system, but I guess the best I can say is that I educated myself before I knew what I got myself into. I was fully aware, like it could be the shittest thing in the world, but I'm like, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm fit and I can handle every physical task handed to me. I want more. I want more. I want more. So there, there was no sort of expectations and reality sort of crashing down going, oh, what have I done? There was kind of this very young, naive, will it, if it be young, naive keenness that just kept me going like, I want more. Um, so yeah, there was really no being smacked in the face by reality. Mm. I just was sitting there going, sweet, this is pretty good. Let's do this it. Is right for me, yeah. And what did that first 12 months look like? Holy f- the first 12 months was the most go, 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 go moments in my life. Which you would have loved. At the time, I would have loved, but I, I, it's very much shaped the personality that I am that's turned me into a fucking... How so? It's the first 12 months of go, 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 shaped me into the laissez-faire, smoke a few doobies kind of dude that I am today of like... I just want to chill as much right. as possible. Yep. Yeah, the, tw- the first 12 months, it was three months initial training in the army of yep. Akapuka, sorry. Yep. Uh, first three months of um, initial employment training, IET. So where they, the first three months, they teach yep. you how to be in the army. Right. The next three months are three months at infantry, like the school of infantry in Singleton, was mm. they teach you how to do your job. And then after that six months collective, you get sent to a unit as the new guy where you go and do your job. And so you think first three months, oh, I got through it. I need a break. No, it's, it's IET's training time. So you go, oh, okay, sweet. Let's keep going. And then after three months of doing, you've, you know, you get through those gates of achieving, you think you're done. It's like, no, nah, you've, you've now done that. You've got to be ready for the unit. And then... Once I got to the unit, I got there at Christmas time. So I'm the new guy and me and my mates, we're the new guys. So we get put on guard for like a month around Christmas. And where's this? In Townsville. Yep. So, you know, the dudes that have been in the army for six years, they go home on leave. It's like, fuck it. The new kids are on guard around Christmas time. So, you know, I had about a month of like chilledness, but it's pretty much three months, in, three months of Kapuka intensity, three months of school of infantry intensity. Yeah, that little Christmas break off, that doesn't count. And then it's exercise after exercise after exercise. It is go, 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 go. And so it really just was like, cool, this is my job. This is my calling. This is what I do. I go out bush to walk up mountains and do army stuff because I'm a trained infantryman. But it was just, it was honestly, it was balls to the walls. And the thing that sort of allows myself to give me context was that we had 10-year sergeants or like five-year, oh, it's like six-year corporals that have done a few tours overseas. And they're like, this year is so fucking busy. This was 2013, mm. 2013 in Townsville for, and that. And it was like, this is the most hectic year we've ever seen. I was like, okay, this is my baseline. I've done pretty good. I've got past it, but it was just exercise after exercise after exercise. And an exercise might be... Mm three weeks at a time, out bush, doing army shit. What's that? What's yeah, army it's, shit? 
<laughs> I, I, I guess the, the, the thing, the, the easiest way to say it for infantry, for what you see in the movies, mm-hmm. what you see in the video games, that's what we're trained in. That's our bread and butter. So we go out, we go out and seek out the enemy to kill or have to kill, kill oh, fucking off. Oh, there's going to be some army dudes listening to this that go, you fucked it. Who cares? I don't care because I go surfing every day. Fuck you. But, you know, as infantry, you go out, <laughs> you go out to seek out the enemy, to kill or capture him, to like hold and seize ground, do all that shit. Mm. You are the dudes that do the army stuff that you see in the movies. That's it. What, just to explain that last sort of sentence where I said those sort of words, there is the the role of the infantry that is like, that is fucking drilled into you that you say at the School of Infantry. I'm kind of super happy that I don't know that anymore. Um, maybe another beer and I might be able to rattle it off. But like they essentially drill into your, they drill into you your role. Mm. You are the person that, go, that goes out and finds the enemy. Yeah. And... And if the enemy finds you, you are the toughest, most biggest, most badass bloke to counteract the enemy. The movies, the video games, that's your bread and butter. That's the craft you are practiced in. Mm. Yeah. So when we when when I say what we when we go out on exercise, what we do, we just walk around the bush in formation, searching for the enemy to try and clear an area, to try and capture a mountaintop, a feature uh, to protect a vital asset that like, whether it's a dam or whatever this, Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, think of the movies, think of the video games. That's the craft. That's what infantry does. So we just practice, make, make believe and make pretend in that, in safe environments, in exercise to familiarize, to familiarize ourselves in what would happen if it gets real. So you do three months learning how to army. Yep. Three months, how to do that job. Yep. And then you go into faux practical application of it yes. where you're on base and it's just getting your prep before you get deployed somewhere. Is that right? Yes. So mm. and to, to go to that, um, to the faux part, a, a lot of, due to the, the nature of the political climate and operations at the time mm. of 2013, 2014, um, yeah, what was the context around that time? A large majority, yeah, a large majority of... We're having a few beers. I'm having a little burp. I'm sorry. Yep. We don't edit it out. See, there we go. But... Um, All natural. Yeah. The, the large surrounding context was like, keep playing make-believe, keep mm. practicing, keep being a very overqualified Boy Scout until it may be your time to do a role in Afghanistan which was the most likely um, point of that. Because so what was going much, on in Afghanistan around 2013? Yeah, so we still had, oh, God, I believe we had, again, um, I haven't fact-checked. This is, like, I, I, this is all off memory. Um, and so I, and I do, my, my, my opinions are my own. I do not represent the ADF. I do not represent any units that I mentioned. I do not represent the political climate of the times of the Australian government. But um, just to go back a step, pretty much a large majority of the army will pretty much play pretend and keep themselves competent and aware Mm. of their jobs, 
of their craft until their time comes. To answer the question of 2013, 2014, we had slightly around 2011, we had came, we had come out of a more defensive and attacking phase of, of the, of operation slipper, the Afghanistan war that had been going on for maybe what, 11 years at that point. Yeah. Was it the 20 year mark? Yep. We've just hit the 20 year mark as of recording today. Um, to, to more of a reconstruction phase. And a reconstruction phase might mean literally the actual reconstruction of infrastructure or mm. facilities, but also the reconstruction phase of we've just fought a kinetic actual war back and forth for 10 to 11 to 12 years. We've built these bases in these strongholds to gather, to gather influence over regions now we, we need, we have a responsibility, us as the Australian government and NATO and the Western world have a responsibility to, to, re, to help rehabilitate and reconstruct the country itself. So that would be educating and forming the Afghan National Army. And again, that, that, that uh, quote may be, sorry, what I just said there may be incorrect because I'm not sure when the actual Afghan National Army may have been formed, but yep, yep, it is to bolster yep. their ability mm, to, mm, mm. once we leave, to fight for themselves, to defend these infrastructure, these assets, to defend the people, to all this other stuff. So around the 2011, 2012, 2013 mark, we were very much in a reconstruction, rehabilitate, rehabilitating phase of the war to assist with self-sufficiency and looking after themselves that through the means of the best self-reliant government and the best self-reliant army being the ANA at the time, working in conjunction with the Afghan police force. So yeah, that was what was happening around 2013. How's it feel with what's, uh, for those listening, what's going on over there right now? Yeah, so as of today, the 16th of August, 2021, um, today was the official day that Kabul, along with Kandahar yesterday, was pretty much handed over to, over to Taliban. Um, if you're asking how it feels today, it's, it's been, this is a very, it's, it's not a can of worms. Mm-hmm. It's, just a, it's just a very complex feeling. Um, and I, I believe I've probably, I've, I've texted a few, like, ex- like diggers that I've worked with and ex-boys that I've worked with. But I, I guess the best way that I can summarize it is that the Taliban as of today has pretty much taken over all of Afghanistan. And that was the very purpose in quotation marks that the West was there was to defeat the Taliban and rehabilitate Afghan as a self-sufficient democratic nation. To me, the nostalgia in me, the young man nostalgia in me it's a little bit heartbroken. Um, it's just, there's all these emotions of like, was it a waste of time? Did I waste my time? And, and obviously it's just a ridiculous, heavy, heavy burden of the current Afghan women and young girls that are there. They, it's, that is going to, that is so complex and such a heavy burden to contextualize that they right now are going to have to deal with. I don't, I literally put all my feelings aside. I don't care what I feel like. It is just, it is just so heartbreaking for 
the women in particular and the young the young girls in particular under the under the current standards that is the Taliban. Um, it's very complex. It's just it short and short kind of sucks. Um, but to coming from a a young Afghan veteran Australian, the nostalgia in me, the young man in me, feels disheartened. I would think that it's a waste of time. Now that I've gotten older upon reflection, um, I was always taught to think big picture. Think, just think bigger picture. Um, And I guess my big picture answer of how it feels is that it is the most complex geopolitical complex that the world has seen for the last 2,000 years. This last 20 years is just a footnote in it. I, I have to put my personal feelings aside. It is, it is almost a geopolitical complex inevitability. So, fuck. <laughs> fuck. I, I guess the answer is, far. fuck me. I, it's, I don't know how to feel about it, but I think I know how to feel about it. Um, it's not, I, I do not have any personal stake in it. So I, I, I'm very, I'm very, very, very lucky, very privileged that every day I can look to the people that I love, say day to them, go for a surf and crack a beer whenever I want to. Um, and my heart breaks for the current people trying to get out and the current people that are try- that are still stuck there. And it's just, let's see what the next five years has. So I think that's an answer to the question. It's super complex and I'm definitely not smart enough to even be able to give an educated answer. I guess I can only give my personal experience and your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I probably babbled on there, but fuck, we were there for 20 years. They've babbled on for the last 20 years. So shit. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's From yeah. the point, from the time when we actually organised to do this chat, holy, that wasn't even on the that, radar. Didn't that change quick. What, like <laughs> the Taliban thing wasn't it's even like on the five radar. Five days ago, wasn't it, man? Yeah, yeah. And since then, this has happened. And it's like I was in the post office today, and I was looking at the newspaper from today, and it said, you know, Taliban at Kabul's door. And I'm like, oh, that's old news because that's oh. changed. Yeah, I. It was, it was really, it was really funny. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend last night and was like, the, the news of Kandahar that had fallen. Okay. That got to, that got to me through whatever channels it did. And I just said to her, I'm like, Hmm, at the rate it's going, I might give it an educated guess three to four weeks that Kabul might fall. 14, you hours, wrong? Later, 14 hours later, I'm, it's the, it's the most upset of being wrong in my whole entire life. I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck me. But yeah, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm I, to be honest. I'm glad I got we got that out of the way when we did. It's just it's just complex and difficult, and yeah, it's a mess. And and also one thing I didn't mention is obviously the the complexities and emotions around people like myself and the families that have lost, like boys that served over there. That's a that's a whole nother issue that. I, that is so complex that I didn't even touch upon. That's it's this. This is why I said this is a fucking hard thing to talk about, hard thing to deal with. But mm. 
personally for me, I'm just, it's a bit of self-reflection of like, I'm super lucky. I'm super happy. I can go for a surf and crack a beer and talk to a person that I care about. G'day, Brendan. How are you? So I'm, I'm one of the, I'm one of the lucky ones. So mm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We, how, what do we segue on after that? Yeah. Holy, it's a, it's, it's again, it's such a hot button issue. It is. And it's, and it's, and it's real current. It's evolving. It's, I think that's one oh, of the things yeah. I think people are still trying to reconcile. What does this mean? Um, I think, you know, for anybody under the age of 30, so how old are you again? You're 20. I turned 27 in lockdown this year. Oh yeah, no, no sorry. That's a, I wasn't in lockdown at the time of April, but yeah. turned 27 this year. Yeah. So think about anyone that's sort of, you know, 25 years and younger, like, yeah. have been born into this thing but you know the, the war has just been part of it i still remember yeah. you know going to school and finding out that the twin towers had been hit yeah. and grew up through that progression and that just lingering of this war just going on and seeing yeah. like it's got no end and like it just the, and then the, hearing that everyone's removing you think oh good it's finally done but, and then this happens and you're like yeah and the one thing i do want to say personally like my trip i spent seven months in kandahar from 2014 to 2015, mm. my trip was very chilled. It was super, super chilled. If, What's a good segue? Talk about your your time overseas, over yeah. in Afghanistan. So as I said earlier about that, like, especially like the 2000, 2006 to 2012, mm. that, was, that, was, that was kinetic warfare. That was boys going out for a few weeks to fight the enemy. Yeah. That was, and that is, that is, that is war. That's the nature of the, the campaign at the time. Yeah. Um, and I was very lucky that myself as an infantry member, I was a part of a force protection element. So what does that mean? So we essentially operate out of our safe base of Kandahar airfield. And we, and we had coalition NATO officers travel to the Afghan base, which was still within the, proximity and vicinity to advise and so again as to go back yeah so our nato and coalition officers would go and advise afghani officers on how to be officers to how to manage and run an army and all i did was to pretty much be their force protection element i was there pretty much just a glorified guardian angel a glorified bodyguard so and that was around kandahar that was yeah. That was within that was within Kandahar Airfield, uh, within proximity to Camp. Uh, I'm not actually I'm not going to say the name. Um, within the Afghan base, um, that was an area that's now controlled by the Taliban. Yeah, um, that's that, weird. That's, yeah, the, yeah, and that's that's the complex emotion that I have to think about. Digest, but, but yeah, it's like place that I walked right now is just taken over. But my role was to act as a guardian angel to act as a force protection element um, as a platoon, which is about a team of 40-ish mm -hmm. with assets um, to protect those officers every day in and out. And it was honestly, it was very, it was very clinical. Mm -hmm. like we, would, we would know the buildings that we're going to, we'd know the people that we're dealing with. We're going to pretty much a base that is safe. It's a base that we know all the dudes that we see every day. Hey, mate, how are you? Chucka shuckers do all this, take a photo with them, hang out. You, you, you build a rapport and a relationship mm. with the Afghanis in that base every day. Um, 
And so again, I was I was not a kinetic fighter. I wasn't going out searching to engage with the enemy. Um, and I was I was very blessed. It was a very very safe trip. Um, you know, every two to three weeks we might get rocketed. Like you might hear. Still, <laughs> and that's I still that more than I've jovial, ever been rocketed. Yeah, and like I, I and again, I'm not trying to make light, but the, my main point why even. I guess borderline trivialized my trip is that there'd be there'd be now hopefully they're out goddamn there'd be veterans out there that did the hard shit in Afghanistan and they work their asses off yeah. um and I'm the person that pretty much had a very lax mm. trip I'm not trying to I guess glorify hero, what you did yeah, yeah. hero wise or yeah. make it sound like I was more yeah. of a badass than I am mm. dude we just yeah we just we cruised we chilled mm. but like not where I don't take away from that is that we looked professional. We looked badass. We looked like we knew what we we're doing, that no one wanted to fuck with us. So they were like, well, fucking, we don't want to mess with these boys. That's the kind of- The message had been read by that stage because the guys yeah. that had gone before you had sent that message in the kinetic that in the kinetic way. Yeah. The, the, everyone else was on notice and was like, okay, we've tried messing with them and it didn't work out. Let's- uh... Yes, yes and no. I mean, it's it's- I can't apply that because the kinetic fighting would have happened in different regions of the country, right. in different settings. But yeah. I was pretty much working within a safe base. Yeah. Safe base that was, I knew what I was getting myself into every day. But mm. it's always like, be professional, know what we got to do. I know what I need to do. And, I, and my, my main role is to protect my officer, is to act as, because he's, he's the brain. I'm I'm the gun. That's it. If shit happens, I will get him out of there, get him back to base uh, within our uh, within our Australian base. That's it. Being mm. picked up by the glorious dedication and brains of our cavalry that was attached to us at the time in Bushmasters. Yeah, and they were just pretty much a a brain network of of like a bus service. Not to not to call it, but they're just a bus service. Like if shit hits the fan. I'll find an like a safe space for my officer, fight and defend him for his safe him him or her for their safety. Get in the bushmasters, go back to the safe base of Australia and fucking of the Australian base, and go about it the next day. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that that was my trip. I'm definitely mm. definitely was not in the thick of it as much as the boys mm. um, in around the period of 2012. Mm. Yeah. Still, though, you mentioned earlier that. Um, you had, you feel like, and based on experience, you had prepared yourself mentally for what you were getting yourself into. Um, and you knew the stakes, you knew the price of entry effectively. Yeah. Did you still learn much about yourself during your time as an army infantryman? Def- you have to say yes because you grow, you, you, you grow and from your age. Yeah. yeah. You grow and develop. Um, but it's the, it's the lessons that putting yourself through turmoil of I've got 80 kilos up on my back and I'm up a fucking mountain. Holy shit. I did that. I'm, I'm going pretty good. Okay. I'm capable of that. So you do learn about yourself in that way, but it's, it was more, it was more the just keep going. I'm capable. 
keep going. I'm capable. I'm all good. So it's, it's, it, there is almost, I would say personally, there is a slight mindset that may not allow you to reflect and learn because it's just always go, go, go. So it's, right. kind, of it's kind of a paradox there. Yep. Um, but this is, again, everyone's, everyone's army experience is different, but. Well, um, maybe then that's a, that's a good segue then into your post army time. And that sort of, you know, stage two to stage three part of your personal journey of where you maybe did have some of those revelations. And it's, it's, and I'll just say from the get go, I didn't really have those personal revelations until like two and a half years after. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was weird. Like upon getting towards the end of my army career, I was, I was, I was fucking exhausted. I was knackered. Like, it was more, I was met, like, you know, you have your dedicated leave and all this other stuff. Um, you get back from Afghan. And I guess the biggest thing that met, that was a shocker for me, and this sort of does segue into me leaving, but mm-hmm. the biggest shocker was like, preparing for Afghan, you need to put some bullshit aside. You don't care about if your haircut's good, if you, if you know, if you, if you have got your shit sorted, you can do your job and you can keep your mates alive. That's what's important. Yeah, that's that is literally that's the whole purpose. That not the latest iPhone. And then and then when you're you get back into the army, you get back to Australia and you met with the regular army. It's like, where is your this and this hat that you don't have? It's like, what the hang on, what the fuck do you mean? Oh, actually, and besides that. That's rank telling you that. That is very like rank telling you like, what the fuck? You're a piece of shit. It's like, well, no, I'm actually not. And you are very well versed in speaking with officers and mm. hanging out with them because you've just fucking protected them for seven months. You lose that, you lose that sort of, I guess. Hierarchy. Dynamic. It's mm. they're, they're, you, you respect the rank. You kind of respect the man, but it's like the, the hierarchy and rank doesn't care. If you're, if what rank you are, they just care. Hey, mate, are you going to protect me and going to do your job? It's like, fuck your yeah, boss. I'm going to protect you. And then when you get back to Australia, it's like, you haven't ironed this for three centimeters. You're a fucking piece of shit. It's like, well, uh, okay. And that was, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm. And, and I'm, 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 I'm not speaking exactly from example from what that, what that is like, but. So many of the blokes in my in my trip, they got back and just were met with kind of bullshit attitudes from the regular Australian army here in Australia. And they went, I'm done, I'm out. Um, and so that that happened. That was a big sort of discharge reason. I had a few more years to go, so I'm like, we've got to stick into it. But yeah, you're sort of you just it was a sobering mm. thought process to be like, you want me to tick ABC. I am ticking ABC, but just because it's not exactly to your very specific standard that you haven't told me about, what the fuck can I do? So it was kind of like a, that was the first sort of like waking up, mm. I guess, of like, because like when you're an Afghan, you just think with your own head, be smart, do what is the best option to stay alive. Um, but then when you get back, it's like, I'm struggling to even articulate this because it's just, it was just a shit time. 
reintegration would have been it would have been reverse culture shock reverse culture shock yes and especially when you think that you're going to a safe place of being back on base in australia with your home yeah and then they sort of they treat you like shit it's like what not treat you like shit but it was like a. you don't feel appreciated not not appreciated but it was like dude i've just been i've been doing what the army told me to and the army was like fuck yeah and now the army's telling me fuck you so there was a lot of disengagement with rank, I mm. guess. Um, mm. And yeah, so, it, and again, I do not speak for everyone that come back from my trip, but it's just the general emotions of like, it was very hard. And so that sort of sowed the seeds to distance myself and disdain the army because it's like, I am doing my job. I'm doing mm. it good. I'm keeping everyone alive. But they just said, no, that's bullshit. Um, and, I, and, and to be honest, I'm not doing it justice, the complexity that what I mean by my point. It's just, it's so hard to describe uh, within specific situations. Unless you were there, you won't know. Mm-hmm. But, that, but with all of that mindset, it was then course, 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 course. I was just put on so many courses. I mean, what's um, a course? Like just a... So it might be a support qualification course where you learn like, so it's, it's think of like the boys go to learn how to be a mortarman or a sniper or heavy weapons. So it's like, they're a support course. So you go and learn that. It might be a promotion course where you go on a junior leadership course and you go on that. But I think I honestly, I think I did from memory, like 18 months. No, maybe, maybe like, 12 months straight of courses. I wasn't with my normal regular army boys. I was just on courses, on courses. And I'm like, holy shit. So I was just, I was exhausted. And so that sort of was like, sowed the seeds of like, what am I actually doing? Like, I'm not actually. And were you doing that like kind of biding your time before going on another deployment or was that not an option or? That's, that's the thing. You never know. You're pretty much, once you come back from deployment, you're at the bottom of the barrel. and of the bottom of the list to go on deployment. Um, and wow. that was something that was something I haven't even mentioned. Like what's the point of being in the army if you don't go on deployment? Yeah. That was my, that, that's my personal belief. That you just feel point. like you're standing around with your, in your hands. You, you, you feel like, you feel like you're a fucking glorified boy scout. Mm. You go out bush and you have all your bits and your things and you're, you're playing you're, pretend almost. You are playing pretend. And, and that was that, that fed into it. And like, yes, yeah. there was a lot of, there was a lot of personal, professional development which is amazing it was Mm. it was it's honestly it's it's invaluable but it sort of then fed into that of like well i'm not going on deployment anytime soon and i was aware of that and so it it was just that sowed the seeds for exhaustion Mm. Um, and then eventually it got to the point of the dizzying heights of being an infantry corporal um i was like okay yeah we're going pretty good um, and it was just, I was met with a few attitudes that were just a bit bullshit from other warrant officers. And I'm like, and I was, I, I was looking to buy a, an apartment at the time. Mm. I was like, okay, okay. I could be in the army or I could go and drink beers by the beach. Oof. I think I'm like, I think I'm going to go fucking have a, have a break, drink a beer by the beach. Um, and I guess to go back to your original question, probably about six minutes ago now of like, when did I sort of realize and sort of have a break properly? Like 
I left the army in 2017 um, and I was still very go, go, go. And I wanted to relax. You know, I got out in city life, smoke a few doobs with my other mates that I met working in the bar and all of this, but I was still very intense. It was still very like, yeah, I want to try and be the best, but not to say it was a facade, not to say that. It was what you conditioned for. Yeah. It was all I knew. <laughs> your programming. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. And it, it, not to say that I was fake to any of the people. No. I met. Not to mm. say, but it was just, it was, I guess, who I was. Um, but yeah, it wasn't till a very like sobering instances, like breaking your leg upon getting out of the army. Yeah. How was that? What, what happened there? So yeah, I'll just, I'll just finish that. Like it's not oh, yeah, like sorry. a sobering instance of breaking your leg. You finally go, okay, what now? Who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? So it's just another one of those moments, but breaking the leg sucked. It fucking sucked. So I was just out on Malulabar beach, having a body surf with my mates one day. And it was just the nature of the geography of the beach. And it was the nature of the wave that I went for being a 24 year old hotshot that's left the army. I'm a brave boy, pew, 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 finger guns. I'm going to catch this wave. And it just, I was just body surfing. It just went wrong, landed wrong, smashed my tib and my, my tibia and my fibia straight in clean in half. And like compartment syndrome happened. Um, What's that? I, so compartment syndrome of like, think if you have a stocking, Mm-hmm. Like a normal stocking, and you shove too much sausage meat in there. You sub, you sub, you shove so much that the stocking might start to break and peel. It it might literally, you have so much pressure inside the stocking that it cuts off circulation to the leg. And so I had compartment syndrome because it got it. So no bone broke the skin, but it was all internal. So the skin is just like a big fat sausage mm. that needs its. That needs its like skin broken to release the pressure. And so mm. it's pretty much like you are at risk of your own leg cutting off its circulation to itself. And if it does, if it goes any further, we're going to have to amputate. And I'm like, oh, fucking shit. <laughs> and I'm like, it, it was literally like a few hours within to the break, getting to the hospital, maybe an hour or two, three, I don't know. I was on a lot of hospital ketamine. I was on so much ketamine. I was off my chops at one point. I love how you preface that with hospital ketamine. Yeah, I, yes. <laughs> I'm not at, I'm not at revs. I'm not, doing, I'm not doing ketamine at revs. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the legal good A-grade stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty much like- with The push of a button. It was so fucking hectic. Like everything turned into James and the Giant Peach. Like it was bananas. <laughs> I found out what a K-hole was. And then this fucking, this doctor comes in, like looking in his just trackies. I'm like, who are you? Just comes up to me, just going, touches my leg. Okay, I need to operate on you right now. Otherwise, we're going to have to amputate. And he just takes off out of, the, out of the room. I'm like, who was that? Next thing I know, I'm in surgery. They're just um, doing a fasciotomy, just slicing into the skin to release that pressure that is built up so the compartment syndrome can relieve. And pretty much it was like, it was like a 15, 16 day ordeal. Um, it was sort of like three weeks until I was able to get back home or some shit. Um, but it was just a very sobering moment of like, hey, dude, this, this whole go, go, go attitude's all good, but have a break, man. Forced put, break. Put your feet up, so to speak. What's left of them. 
Um, what? So, yeah. So it was very much like the the leg break. I, mean, I, I say this in the bloody video that I put put up, but like that you mentioned before, but it's like the leg break acted as a physical one, but a mental one as well. Yeah. It was just the universe going, bro, um, what about that ketamine you just got on? You should probably do a bit more of that and just chill the fuck out. Um, but I'm like, oh, I don't have enough money for that. So I might just stick to putting my feet up and stick to beers. But uh, fuck you. Thank you anyway, brain. So it was just, it was just kind of a weird time. It was like, I, I don't know. It was just kind of a nearly losing a limb was kind of a big thing. I mean, it's 25% of your body. It's a pretty big thing, man. Kind of <laughs> Don't downplay thing. it. Um, <laughs> being a 22-year-old, 24-year-old cripple uh, yeah. you know, for the rest of your life, you know, not cripple probably a harsh word. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's, it's being, dis- to being physically disabled to, to at that age listen- is so sobering. Yeah. Um, and sober I was not, but like, um, but like, and I guess oh, that's a problematic way to deal with it, but it's, that's what happened. But like to anyone listening to this, they're like, oh, how is he now? Like I have two working legs. They are healthy. I, I can run. I can walk. Like I'm not as fit as I used to be in the military, but like I'm super lucky. I'm super lucky that the, the doctors of the Sunshine Coast University Hospital saved my legs. Like they are, they, they pretty much, they're kind of normal. Like it's great. Like I'm very lucky. I'm very physically able. I can surf and all this other stuff. So yeah. It was just kind of, it's kind of just a bit shit. That circuit breaker happened. And then as you started to heal and you get out and about, was there a moment where you were like, okay, so I can now get out and about again. I'm kind of thinking I might slow down. What do I do now? Yes and no, because once I could get back on my feet and go, 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 I still had that go, go, go mentality. Right. But it was once a few more layers of bullshit added, added up on top of that, but just, I guess, disengagement from the bosses that I had working at the bar at the time. Excuse me. Sorry. The disengagement from the bosses that I had, that I was working for at the time, I kind of just saw through the unnecessary stress that I was putting on myself. I'm like, it kind of like the leg break was a metaphorical break for me, but it was only like a few months later that it was like, nah, dude, don't, you don't need to be this. Oh, you know what it was? Oh my God. So I had like, I was stressed out. So in the back, in the back left part of my brain, I could draw the shape that it felt like I just would get this like, pain this random pain in the back part of my left part of my skull just when i was you know i didn't think i was stressed out but i'd always have this like weird sharp but dull pain in the back left part of my skull i'm like ow and then once it was like all the level stuff all the stuff piled up and then i finally was like i'm moving back down the south coast of new south wales in my mum's garage and just doing nothing for a month that pain finally went away. And I was oh. like, oh, I was pretty highly strong. I was pretty, pretty high level. Like, this is heaps mad now. Oh, this is way better. So it was like, I, at the time when I had this pain, you know, you just think it's like a dodgy knee or something. But I'm like, that's fucked. Fuck that. So yeah, um, pretty much left the bar job to just 
I literally, that was the one thing. Once it was like a few levels, other levels of bullshit from a boss. It was just kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go surf back down the coast with my best mate, Jimmy Van. And then I'm, and I'll, I'll make something up. I don't care. Whatever I, it, no matter where I'm not going or where I am going, it's going to be healthier than being this stressed out. Yeah. The job, like, the mission, the vocation were not the priority anymore. The, yeah. The you were the yeah. priority. Like it's that, that was it. It was, it's like, not to go into a, a mental health or a physical health type thing, but it's like, it's, the, it's, it's the mentality of like, like I feel cheap by saying it. I feel like I'm a frou-frou spiritual crystal lady, but like your health is all you got at the end of the day, man. Your health, yeah. like it's, it's all you got. So if you can just be a, make that health a little bit easier, make that health a little bit better. Well, and and if I'm in the privileged position to do it and go yeah. down the coast and go surfing, drink a few beers, smoke a few doobies, fucking earth, I'm going to go do it. Well, you know, if, yeah. effect, effectively what you're doing is to not bring it back to the price of entry, but to actually do that. Whatever, it's my podcast, I can do it. You can fucking is, do it. You looked at the price of entry into those different jobs outside of the army. You looked at the ongoing cost of staying in the army and went, Nah, I don't want to pay that anymore. Yeah, you, like, you looked at the, you saw the ticket price and went, "Why would I pay full price for a Katmandu jacket?" Nobody does that. Like, exactly, not a chance. And you chose the alternate path when everyone else is like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like going you went back against the grain, which is hard. Yeah, going back to those SRC days, it, it, I guess the the biggest thing that I carry from that is the the constant, I guess, introspective viewpoint, the constant step back from a non-subjective viewpoint and like look at what am I doing? Am I happy? Am I healthy? What am I doing? And that was like, I guess that was like with that mentality that allowed me to look at what am I doing? I'm not doing much. I want to join the army. Looking at that, I'm not doing much. I want to leave the army. Looking at much, I'm fucking super stressed out. I want to go surf. So yeah, it was was all of that. Um, It was just the ability to constantly i guess reevaluate and just i don't want to do this so i'm going to change it which takes an incredible level of hmm, two parts maybe one integrity to not bullshit self but then that also takes a great level of ownership yeah i'm not complaining yeah. and blaming everybody else because like I have such a low tolerance for people that, and stuff, I'm saying it out loud, I have such a low tolerance for people that complain about their situation yet do nothing about changing their situation. And maybe that's like, it's like you you could change it even by a little bit, but you're not. Oh, and you're complaining. You're allowed to complain if you can't do anything about it, but if you can and you complain, shut up. I don't want to talk to you. I can't. I don't have the capacity for that. Even like I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of falling into that within the past sort of, I guess, two years, so like just working a bar job at the golfie. Like I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. So, and, and what have I done to change that? Not particularly too much. I applied for afters and I thought that would be like the, the film school. And I thought That's that would be something. Like, it, it was something, but it is, it is, it's just, it's within our human nature. So it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I guess if you can be aware of it and you have the ability to change uh, and to make a change and to take a step 
in any other direction that would make you happier, you think you make it would make you happier, then fucking do it because no one else is going to do it for you. Mm. Speaking but, of me, yeah, go. But the beauty of it of is that you came to me to have a chat. And so that was a, it was a very lucky, very grateful thing that I am for is like, you still came to me and like you did that and you've started the podcast, started chatting. You've done that. So like I haven't reached out. I am very blessed to be able to be on the receiving end of an opportunity. Whereas like it's, it, 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 it does lead to symptom symptoms that you might feel are stagnant, I guess, if that makes sense. It does. It does. You mentioned, you know, doing things that make you happy. So the bachelorette. <laughs> there wasn't so, a lag. There wasn't a lag in the video. I actually just froze for a moment and just went, ah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> What's your question, brother? What was the the process? You know, your legs obviously healing. Um, or heal enough that you're able to get out and about. Um, for those listening, that's where Jules and I met um, way back in, what was that, 2018? Yes. That feels like a lifetime ago. Bits happened since then. <laughs> Bits happened since then. I was living in Sydney. And, yeah, anyways, <laughs> I'm interviewing you. So <laughs> what was the yeah, process? This, this, is, this is my therapy session. <laughs> This is my this is my therapy session. I'm I'm, I'm paying by the hour here um, with your soul. Yeah, um, good. What was the so that comes up and you're in that you're coming through that process of bar jobs, moving down into your mum's garage, your foot still healing, and then how do you end up on the bachelor? Yeah, well, it was the very lucky circumstance that moving back down. I allowed myself about one and a half, two months of just financial freedom, mm-hmm. which I'm super lucky for. Like I was. What do you mean by financial freedom? Like I, I'd, I'd set up the apartment that I could save a bit of rent and yep. I did, I'd minimize some expenses, minimize this. So I pretty How much. How adult of you. Yeah, I know. I'm smart. Well done. Um, but I could, you know, I allowed myself like two months, sort yourself out see what happens after that two months, look at getting a trade or something else. But within that two months, surfing, drinking beers, had a red wine bender with my best mate. And then the opportunity of the bachelorette came up and I was like, well, I'm single. I haven't, you know, I haven't really, I I haven't had a, a big time relationship. I've got two months of nothingness come up on the TV fuck it. Why not? Let's see what happens. And honestly, just long story short, it feels like the rest is history, but it was, I allowed myself two months of financial freedom. I applied and it was, I was just lucky and blessed enough that it sort of fell into place from there within that two months. And it sort of sustained itself. I mean, when I say itself of just television opportunities and having some coins to put in my pocket and an experience to better myself and to grow from that for the next year and a bit. How did you grow from it? What were the lessons learned from that? Um, shit. 
oh, it, there's lots. Don't know how to rattle them off off the bat because I feel that'd be like, oh yeah, I really uh, become more vulnerable. I allowed myself. I don't want to found I, myself. That, yeah, no, it's definitely like because that's the thing. Like anyone thinking about television or anything, like if you if you want to come out the other side less unscathed, you need to be pretty sure within yourself of, of who you are from the get go. So it's not that I like found an identity and like, oh, this is really, but it was just, what was the question? Um, <laughs> I, I learned, no, I learned, I just sort of, it kind of peeled away a few layers of bravado of like, okay, dude, it's okay to be emotional. And like, I'm a pretty real, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty real normal dude, but it, it did allow myself to introspectively be vulnerable. Um, it allowed myself to find a calling and have fun in terms of allowed myself to have fun within like, okay, yes, there is a TV product to be had. I still want to make it as, as authentic as possible, but like, I'm, I'm going to have some fun. You think like, that maybe, and tell me if this is an untrue statement that through that process, you rediscovered, not that you ever lost it, maybe rearticulated. You get my drift. You rediscovered that jewels that your friends said when you said that you wanted to go to the army. And they said, don't lose that jewels. Don't stop being that jewels that we know and love. And that maybe part of that was lost with the intensity. And it took going through that experience and maybe rediscover that. Not that you fully lost it, but maybe it just was a little bit out of focus and you had to focus that lens back in it, again. It, it allowed me to realize what was always inside there the whole time. Yep. Hey, fucking Disney, there's a movie in that for you. Yep. But like it, it just sort of allowed a very, a strong realization of like, it's, it's not that I discovered or found myself. No. It just made me realize of like, nah, dude, this is, this is you. This is cool. This is, this is this is who you are. This is back what yourself. Got. Yeah, it was. In the, you could back Jesus. yourself in a creative endeavor, which is very different to the the task driven endeavors of the army and the rest of society. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, it's intangible it's, sometimes. It was. It was always the power of friendship was always inside you the whole time, Harry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was. It was a kind of it it was the catalyst that allowed those honest discoveries. Mm. Like, yes. And do you think, not yeah. to go too meta on the whole conversation, but do you think, you know, we've made fun of the cliche a little bit in the last couple of minutes. Do you think that's still like a lingering part of that old self of it needing to be a tangible, get shit done, make shit happen. And that, you know, sometimes the cliche narrative is perceived to be the cheesy, easy path. Cause you've got to just, be task driven and, and that old mindset whereas a new mindset is maybe leaning into that creative side because they are kind of in conflict i, I believe i i'm i have the answer for that in terms of it, a very intangible answer but it's like what do we define as success yeah like if because i've, I've spoken to a few like i spoke to an old um or not an old but like he's fucking what 34 I, if he, Man, if he knows who he is, yeah, yeah, but like he, 
he asked me, I called him up the other day. He's like, oh, mate, what are you doing with yourself? Where are you going? Mm. And I pretty much just went, just surfing, drinking beers with my mates. And it's the happiest I've ever been. So it's not, it's, it's like, what do you define as success? Like, like it's- Well, let like, me answer, ask you that question. What does Jules in 2021 define as success? I've, I've, the, the first, I guess successful. the first almost pre, pre-programmed answer is don't look in the mirror and say, I wish I had of. Ooh. Yeah, that was, I carry that from my year six teacher, Mr. Bergen. Um, I, I carry, I, he always said like, just make sure you live your life and don't ever get there saying, I wish I had of. And so that's how I sort of, that's one sort of measure of success that I carry myself with of like, don't get somewhere and say, oh, I wish I had of, you know, gone up to that bar, gone, gone up to that girl at the bar and spoken to her, or I wish I would have declined that phone call or taken that job or whatever. It's just, that's, that's how I define success. But it's like, it is a, like within the current lockdown nature, it is a mm. very hard question to answer, but of like, oh, am I successful? Am I this? Am I that? But I'm happy. I've got all four limbs attached to me. I can fucking, this is probably the fifth time I've answered this, but said this, but like, I'm drinking a beer, having a chat with a friend. I've, I've walked on the beach for about an hour and a half today. Great. It, it, I went surfing yesterday. It was like, that's, it's, it's like the whole thing of like, why do, you, why do you buy the fast car? Oh, so I can impress a girl. Okay, well, why do you get the job? Oh, so I can impress my boss. Why do, you, why do you do this to do that? Why do you get money? Why do you do this and so on and so forth? But I, I haven't articulated that quite accurately, but it's like all we're striving for is retirement. <laughs> I mean, what we're pre-programmed to do within the current Australian school system yep. is to get good grades so you can get the good job, so you can get the good wife, so you can get the good retirement. I'd, I'd like to think my def- definition of success is Fuck all the bullshit. Just get to retirement as fast as possible. Surf, drink. Do beers, what you love. Do what you love. And it like, and in the meantime, if you can somehow skip skip all the stuff so you can get to retirement and end up working with your best mate's band to get them around the country and listen to music and get them to gigs, that's mad. That's like, yeah, it's it's there is a sim- I, I, I think I feel the essence of this line of conversation, the essence of this question is that society and people tend to define their success with their promotion and their jobs and their, their success within a workplace ecosystem. Um, but that very much, as, we, as I said earlier in this conversation, of that you can't have your job title define you as a person or your personality or as your identity got to like be yourself but then that comes with the whole question and complex of like well what defines me as myself man that's for you to answer and that's the whole fun in it that's the whole enjoyment of answering that question because oh here we go disney that question the end the answer Mm. itself is the journey yeah and yeah like it may not get you a lambo it may not put heaps of money in your bank account but yeah, it's like it's like the old it's that weird statistic that like people in countries that have less mm. GDP are mm. happier. They're mm. stoked. 
They're so stoked about being able to feed their family with an extra chicken. And, and that is an incredibly, incredibly closed mind, possibly cancelable thought, but that is where they find their happiness. Whether yeah. That's through the, the enjoyment of their family or the success of their something, but mm. find happiness from within something, something don't measure your happiness by your job title, your bank account, your Lambo, your whatever. Would you do anything different if you had to do it over again? Yes. I, I, I saw that you sent me through the, the like brainstorming stuff, but the, the one thing that I would do absolutely differently if I was to join the army again would be wait longer. I would what do you mean? Wait, I, w- I would join the army until I was about 25, 26. Why is that? Just because I was... So I, I look back and honestly see a separation of personal identities between my childhood and who I am now. I personally see a separation between identities of who I was in the army and who I am now. And so, and I, I can't really put the, I, I don't really have the, the point of view to get into that of why I do, mm-hmm. but I just, I just personally believe that I was so young a bit too naive uh, you know i was keen i was i was green and keen and willing to act mean in the army but i just look back at that kid of like that kid in the army just going buddy just have a breather calm down just your problems aren't that big of problems and and i, I just like as i said before like think bigger picture um I just wish that kid in the army that was Jules around 18, 19, 20, always thought bigger picture. But the best way to, like the best way, the, 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 thing that, the thing that I would change is just I would join the army if I was 25, 26. Um, and do you think that? Yeah. I, think, I, think it allows, I think it allows a person to just see through bullshit. And I'm not going to define that bullshit. I just mean every single layer of bullshit, whether it's small bullshit, big bullshit, the opinion that someone might give you, the, the, the hot take and advice that someone might give you. There's always a level or a layer or a fly screen of bullshit. And I just think your own breadth in the world allows you to see through layers of bullshit. And I just wish that I, I would have joined the army when I was about... 24, 25. That's the only thing I do differently. I don't regret. I, again, as I, I, I don't, I don't look in the mirror and regret anything. But if I was to tweak it, that was the only. That's that's the only thing I would do. And you think it's because of the younger man? You know, I think our human condition, especially as males, we're prone to this, especially at that age. In our search for our place in the world is, and that probably speaks to what you said earlier about our propensity towards job, job and bank account being a measure of value. And correct. Identity. And finding your identity in what you do, that young Jules found his identity in what he did in the army. That yes. It became your identity. And that's probably part of your apprehension towards doing things that become your uh, part of your identity now and why you're so uh, able to, you're so insightful to be able to see other people going about their life, making their career and their LinkedIn job title as their identity because 
you were that person. You just happen to get snapped out of it earlier on in life, not at 55 going into retirement. Well, see, uh, yes, 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 100% yes. But like, I kind of, I kind of sit here just going, fuck, it would have been a bit easier if I just got to 55 working a job my whole life and then had my crisis then. But like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I would have been, I guess I would have been a lot more comfortable. I would have, I would have accepted the, the white bread and butter norm of life just coasting for the next 30 years but the price of entry into that lifestyle because i'm because i'm an idiot i just go oh no i don't want to do that so what am i going to do um and then i deal with the complexities of trying to i don't know reinvent a possible new direction every two to three years but but you have this uncanny ability to in your words see bullshit call bullshit do something about it yeah, and and I, that's the that's the thing. I a caveat I do have to say with that is like, I'm not an expert. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not this. I'm not some swipe up Gary V. Buy my book of I'm going to teach you how to see bullshit. No, no. Because I I just think it's so. I I just think it's so intangible. Yeah. But it, it's what you mean? it's it's yeah, more yeah. of it's more of the personal ability to just see it within my personal. Yeah, and, and that's what I meant by saying not at all. Like that's an as that's not at all an expectation that I feel people have of yourself or you know most other people. But you are an expert of of yourself and your experience and the lessons that have happened to you and your responses to them. You are an expert in that. Well, no one else is going to be an expert in you, so you might as well take up the reins. See. That's book worthy. <laughs> That's a title. Take out the reins. Yeah, like I, the the funny joke that I've, I've always just sort of kept with myself is like, if you wanted to make a million dollars in twenty seventeen, just write a book with the word with an expletive on the front. That's it. Like. That's that's the whole. I, and I, but uh, the one thing I'm like, that mm. I'm making with this point is that like I don't want to have that mentality. But it's just so many other people will put you into a box. So many other people will say, "Oh, you're this guy. You're that guy. You're that person. You're this girl." Just run your own race. But even that still feels a bit surface level, or like in it, like uneducated. I don't know. I'm not writing a book anytime soon. I think Disney just hung up on us both. So, <laughs> do you think that sort of confidence in yourself, awareness, and who you were, and, and, and that groundedness was what helped you be able to get through the bachelor, bachelor in paradise, bachelorette, bachelor in paradise phase where people are projecting, and you know, producers are literally trying to put you in a box for TV. Uh, well, I, I would. Honestly, say I I feel it's more of a naive defense mechanism than than anything for the for the however past long. Like up until that point, I feel like yes, they want to do this to you with TV or label you this with TV. And I, I I honestly feel like it was more of it was more the classic of like hide my anxieties with humor or this oh. or that. But it. But, and, and that is, that's super common. I, I would find that's super common for, for a large percentage of people in most walks of life. Mm. Um, but it, it definitely was a strength also in the sense of like, 
there were moments where they're like, don't you think Brendan's mustache and hair is really shit? I'll be like, no, I, no, I don't. N- nah. So there was that reassurance within myself that I was like, I think you fuck that, that's bullshit. There's that fly screen of bullshit again. I think my one, my one that I got that, you know, is my recurring story is, do you think it's a frenzy in there, Brendan? I'm like, ah, the guys are up and about. Do you think it's a frenzy in there, Brendan? I'm like, ah, I think the guys are just really excited. <laughs> do you think it's a frenzy in there, Brendan? I'm like, look, I think everyone just needs a bit of food and they'll calm down look, and we're all good. No, no, no. We're not going to tell you what to say, but we're going to fucking heavily imply it. It's like, yeah, so... And that's why you were gone when they did because you're too smart. First off it's the just, bat, I it's, oh. knew the pro. I knew, I, it was, yeah. I, th- I, I don't know how much. Oh, whatever. I even had the conversation on the way out. It's like you can't bullshit a bullshit artist. Like I get it. I know. Like <laughs> it's yeah. In, it, really, in terms of TV, if you're pretty sure with where you want to go and like your your point of view, they they can't change it, and that's mm. that's a bad thing for a TV producer. Yeah, that's that's like oh my god, I can't control him, mm. um, him or him or her. But like, yeah, it's like if you, if you're super confident, and super laissez-faire with yourself, and fuck. I guess the whole point of this episode: the less fucks you give, the better. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we have our ender. Thank you for coming. This has been the yeah. price of entry, Brendan and Jules. New episode every week. This has been fun. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that amazing finish? For those of you that have headphones in, you probably hear me just pouring another beer. We're going to be sticking around after we end this episode and talk some more shit that isn't considered an episode. But the one thing I want to add is, hey, man, I'm Jules. Keep going and being an easy person through life. Listen to the vans. Your life will be happier. Listen to Brendan's podcast. Um, don't do what people really want you to do. Do what you want to do more than other people want you to do. Um, That's the longest book title ever. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Once we officially call it the end of it, I'll tell you what I would actually really say, but you're going to have to keep listening in for that later on and buy my book. That That's doesn't it. exist. It'll be either the book or the uh, part two Brennan and Jules uh, yeah. podcast episode. Also, should we say goodbye to the podcast episode? Say bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, have a great time. Peace and love. Bye.